0: Welcome to podcast number 67 on June 15th of 2022. My name is Ian Duncan MacDonald. I am the author of four investment books. Today, I will first answer five questions that I've received in the last week, and then I will begin reading from chapter three of my first investment book, Income and Wealth from Self-Directed Investing. This chapter is timely as it covers what happened to me in the market crash of 2000, which reminds me very much as to what we are experiencing in 2022. Question number one. How do you predict that you will make money buying stocks? Since no one can accurately predict future share prices, The hoped for higher price of a stock is a motivator in selecting a stock for my portfolio never enters into my buying decisions. My portfolio consists of 20 carefully chosen financially strong stocks paying high dividends. I have held most of them for 10 to 20 years. I live on those dividends which get paid consistently even during market crashes and recessions. It is very easy to find stock prices and dividend payment information going back for decades which makes it easy to pick stocks that consistently increase dividend payments and of corresponding increases in their share prices. Often As the share price of such stocks increase, their dividends climb even faster. I score on my stocks before selecting them and during quarterly portfolio reviews. Only if the stock drops below 50 and at the same time the dividend yield percent falls below 5% would I consider searching for a stronger stock to replace it. I can go for a year without making a change to my portfolio. On June 15th of 2022, the total value of my portfolio is now down by about 10% below its most recent high a few weeks ago. During the 2008 and 2020 market crashes, the portfolio dropped from its previous highs before again finally climbing to new record highs. The excited voices from the media predicting the sky is falling gets the attention of speculators who think investing is all about quickly buying low and selling high. To someone who lives off their dividends like I do, their commentary is just background noise as you relax and wait for your portfolio to gain rebound as it always has. Question number two. How reliable is the advice of stock analysts? In my IDM stock scoring software, you will notice that two of the 11 factors use to measure the strength of a stock are now are how many analysts give the stock a buy recommendation and how many give it a strong buy recommendation. I define a strong buy as a price forecast 50% or more greater than the current share price. The maximum score for each of these two factors is a 5. Together, They add up to 10 points out of a possible 100 points in a stock's total score calculation. Why did I include the analyst recommendations in the scoring matrix? Because they do have an influence on some investors and can cause the share price of a stock to increase. They cannot be ignored. However, analysts' buy recommendations only account for 10% of the total score there are nine other factors such as book price operating margin price to earnings and so on that each make up 10% of the score the objective of the scoring system was to help me sort many financially strong high dividend paying stocks from best to worse in providing a steady 6% or more annual dividend payout and an additional annual capital gain of 13% or more. My ever-increasing six-digit dividend income and a capital gain of 500% over the last 18 years has proven to me that the scoring software does what it is supposed to do. A study I did of several analysts' recommendations showed me that they tend to get their projections right about 50 to maybe 60% of the time. That is interesting, but I would be hesitant at betting the farm on such odds. Question number three. How do you know if your investment advice is good? If, after following a set approach to investing millions of dollars in the stock market and seeing your portfolio grow by 500% over 20 years, this would give you the confidence to teach timid investors how to invest the same way you do. When you see them achieving the same results that you did, it further verifies that your safer, better approach to stock investing works. Question number four. Under the current threats of inflation and a market crash, would buying gold be a smart move in 2023? Physical gold is not easy to buy and sell. It can also be awkward and expensive to secure and to transport. Buying shares in gold mining companies by comparison is quick, easy, and inexpensive. However, the share prices are subject to the impulses of speculators reacting to economic conditions. If gold is going to protect you in this economy, would it not be smarter to buy shares in a financially strong gold mining company paying a good dividend? Take, for example, the largest gold mining company in the world, which is Newmont Corporation. It trades on both the New York Stock Exchange and the Toronto Stock Exchange. Newmont pays a dividend of 3.29%. When I put it through the IDM scoring software, it now scores a 60, which is good. Out of a thousand of stocks listed in the New York Stock Exchange, in the NASDAQ, according to the American High Dividend Handbook, there are only 67 stocks paying a dividend of 3.5% or more that scored 60% or over. However, when you look at the historical perspective over the last 10 years, you see that the current share price in the dividend is at its highest historical point. The odds are it will decline from its current $67 share price down to a more normal $35 price and the current dividend will drop down below $0.20. While there are thousands of stocks that would not perform as well as Newmont, there are many stocks paying higher dividends that show a far consistent growth in share price and dividend payout. Only a speculator who thinks they can predict when to buy and sell Newmont shares would be attracted to it or to physical gold. A diversified portfolio of at least 20 financially strong stocks that generated an ever-increasing dividend income of 6% through the 2020, 2008, and 2000 market crashes Would be a safer investment. While the share values of these 20 stocks may drop by 50% during the crash, they will again rise to new record highs. In the meantime, you relax, live off your steady dividend income. Question number five Why do employers hire and fire so quickly? Employers are not quick to hire and fire employees. It is expensive and time-consuming to hire new employees. You incur expense in finding them, interviewing them, comparing them, checking their history, and opening up employment records. Thus, firing them quickly is unusual as it only creates more work and expense for you. The laws surrounding the firing of an employee require that you have significant backup documentation to justify firing any employee. Once they are fired, there's nothing stopping that employee from suing you for what they will claim was an unjustified prejudicial act. All of this expense... And potential expense is one reason some industries rely upon temporary employment agencies supplying their workforce. I'm now going to read from pages 29 to 33 of my book, Income and Wealth from Self-Directed Investing. This chapter is titled Sudden Wealth. The book was released in 2019. The chapter begins with... Those receiving large sums of unexpected money have no natural constraints on how to invest. Those who struggle to save $5,000 must make careful investment decisions. Some acquire sudden wealth through inheritance. Others win lotteries. Some receive large settlements. Many are successful athletes, artists, authors, or entertainers who sign multi-million dollar contracts. When this sudden wealth appears, they need to be prepared. It is so easy to run through a fortune if you think you could never spend it all. Therefore, before the sharks descend and bite off much of this newly acquired riches, it is critical that the suddenly affluent learn how to both preserve And grow their wealth. When I graduated from university and moved to the big city with all my possessions and one small suitcase, I took the first job offered. It was with an international corporation that paid me less than what I had earned in my summer jobs working as a laborer in a mine. Without that summer income, I would never have been able to pay for my education. The habit I acquired in carefully managing that summer money is something that never left me. $20,000 in my bank account seemed more than enough to meet all my needs. I was a senior executive with a large salary working for a profitable, long-established company. Almost my entire income was being spent to maintain a very nice lifestyle. Investing? and saving money was never a serious consideration. My rich lifestyle was supposed to continue right into my retirement, at which time I was to receive an index pension equivalent to 80% of my generous salary. Man plans. God laughs. A generous index pension fund was not to be. A large settlement was substituted for that pension when the company was suddenly sold. Investing, it seemed to be my next step. Despite the decades of business experience, I had no investment experience. Protecting myself from poverty was suddenly a priority. I contacted a friend who owned a small investment company. He had always displayed all the trappings of wealth. This even included a private resort on a large island where he entertained dozens of his clients every summer. Surely, he must have become successful by providing excellent investment advice to his clients. Visiting his office in the heart of the financial district, he asked one of his employees to recommend where my fortune should be invested in less than 10 minutes, I was handed a short list of mutual funds to approve. What he had selected meant nothing to me. I asked no questions, then or when I was presented with a contract, which I signed without reading. A check was made out to my trusted friend's company for the largest amount I had ever written in my life. Now, with both my money and my approval, my friend smiled and told me that my retirement was now secure. When I retired, each year I was expected to sell off enough units of a mutual fund to live on. My friend assured me that the only investment costs I would incur would be an annual fee of a few thousand dollars to cover his advisory duties and preparation of my income tax return. It would be such a small percentage of the portfolio that he doubted that I would even notice the deduction and what would be an ever-increasing portfolio. I remember thinking how fortunate I was to have such a good friend. Since I now work for the conglomerate that acquired my previous employer, I was able to ignore my investments portfolio, even existence it was going to be more than a decade before I would retire and need to draw on these funds. Every month, i receive a statement. It was a jumble of numbers that meant little to me. It seemed to indicate that the portfolio was increasing in value. I had no idea what my mutual funds were invested in, nor did I care. I vaguely understood that the purchase of a mutual fund was to diversify your investments and protect you from disasters that investing in a single stock might encounter. Every summer, my friend now invited me to his private resort to be wined and dine. What a fine fellow, so generous. Nothing but the best of wine was served. It had been won at the rare wine auctions he attended. He loved to brag about his clever wine bidding. I'm sure he wrote off the cost of the resort and the rare wine as a business expense. It never occurred to me that I was paying for my vacation. There is no such thing in life as a free lunch. One day in the year 2000, at a time when dot-com companies were all the rage My investment advisor took me to lunch. He was not a happy man. Angrily, he ranted about some foolish client who had liquidated a portfolio of a few million dollars because this fool thought that all stock prices were overvalued and about to collapse. The fool feared his portfolio would be wiped out. My friend who had been an investment advisor for four decades, scoffed at the client's negative crystal ball gazing. In 2000, hundreds of small Internet companies were listing themselves on stock exchanges. They were known as dot-com companies. The Internet was something new and exciting. Ownership of a dot-company's shares were believed to be an investor's ticket to great wealth. Many newly formed dot-coms quickly had stock market valuations worth billions of dollars. These were often corporations who had yet to realize more than a few million dollars in sales and had never shown a profit. Traditional investors who scoffed at the ballooning dot-com valuations were told by promoters that a dot-com's lack of sales and profits could be ignored because this was the new era. The conventional way of evaluating an investment was no longer relevant. Dot-com companies had to be judged differently than stodgy, profitable companies that had been trading on the stock exchange for decades. Within a month after our lunch, Speculators panicked and sold their shares in dot-com companies. The stock market collapsed. I and millions of others lost half of our wealth. I suddenly realized that my investment advisor, despite his experience, obviously had no clear insight as to where stock market values were going than I did. I was in trouble. Any plans I had for an early retirement had quickly vanished. This disaster taught me that no one can accurately predict the future and that there are none so blind as those who choose to be. I was now motivated to find a better, safer way to invest what remained. Meanwhile, my friend, was searching for new sources of revenue to replace the lost commissions from his clients' shrunken portfolios. He asked me to give him a letter that would turn over complete control of my diminished portfolio to him. I took this as confirmation that it was now time for me to learn how to manage my own money. No longer naive, I had become aware that in addition to the thousands of dollars I was being charged for his advice, he was also receiving a commission of 2% or more annually from the mutual fund companies where he had invested my money. If shares on average gained 6% on a stock exchange annually, I had probably been giving away half of my portfolio's gain. We will continue next week. Thank you. Good night. Thanks for listening. If you wish more information on investing and stock scoring, please visit my website, www.saferbetterdividendinvesting.com.